You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Broken records, the albums you wouldn't shut up about. Broken records, the music our guests can't live without. Like Judy, Barbara, Liza, Bet, Betty, Audra, Bernadette. We broadcast this podcast with hopes that someday we might get Patty Welcome to Ben Rimmelauer's Broken Records on Broadway World. I'm Ben Rimmelauer, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Daniel Nolan. Hey, y'all. Today's guest is a true drag legend. A queen whose career... Whose reign... Whose reign, thank you, whose reign spans multiple decades from the old school to the front lines of the new school. Jeffrey Roberson, a.k.a. Varla Jean Merman, has been electrifying audiences with a multi-octave vocal range and multi-layered comedy from coast to coast in a prolific series of acclaimed solo shows, as well as collaborations with a wide variety of artists. From summertime Provincetown parodies with Jinx Monsoon and Peaches Christ, to Richard Day's cult hit film Girls Will Be Girls with Coco Peru and Jack Plotnick, Varla is always a smash. Jeffrey is coming in to chat about the original cast album of The Mad Show. Stephen Sondheim fans will be familiar with The Mad Show for his lyrics under the pen name Esteban Del Rio on the Mary Rogers tune The Boy From, originally performed by Linda Lavin and since covered by many comedians. Including this girl. Wait, who? You. I've never performed The Boy From. But you should. It would be a very good song for you. Oh, this is how you tell me. What else should I tell you? I love. um, I was actually thinking, I was... Um, that you the, need some new special material. material. Yeah, well, on the plane, going home for Christmas, my little American Airlines TV wasn't working, so I had to, like, you know, find something else to occupy my two hours. So I made a short list of the songs that I might want to put in an upcoming show, and I need to send them to you. Um, and then I listened to all of them and arranged them in the order I think they should be in. And so, you know, I'm... I'm gonna, Trying to set intentions for 2020, maybe get back mm, on that stage, yes, you know? Yes, yes. Walk down that staircase again. Yes. Find an empty lap to sit in, yes. fellas. But more importantly, let's talk about your cabaret show. <laughs> <laughs> um, Did you go, I'm sure you didn't, to Club Coming last night? No, no. You know what? I love Club Coming so much, but I, I, and there was a period of several months where I went every, every Monday and I loved it and I made so many friends and... But that place is just too small. I just, I need it to be a little bigger. It's just very cramped. So now we are using our podcast not only to forget <laughs> to plug the venues that we owe plugs to, <laughs> but to critique other venues. No, no, no. I, I, I love it. I just, I need more of it. I, it's so, it's, it's a very small space and I get claustrophobic anyway. I mean, it's not that small. It's just narrow. It's very so narrow. It's the duplex. It's very narrow. And but people don't walk through the house at the duplex to go to the bathroom. Right, that's the thing. But they the don't bathroom. really do that while you're performing like a ticketed event there. That's true, but yeah. Like you can't but compare Mondays. the experience there of the of the open mic Mondays in the club with Lance to... Sure, sure. I don't think I've ever there. actually seen didn't a you see Jack? Didn't you see Jack Barthelay's show there? No, I saw it at Pangea. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, how do you feel about Pangea? You could do your show there. That's a really cool space. Yeah, too. I like Pangea. Um, I the thing I don't like about Pangea though is that it okay, seems again with the critiquing. <laughs> don't bite the hand that feeds you. Okay, we'll cut all this. I don't but... want to start paying cover charges. No, this uh, is I real. This is real. This is my truth. 
The thing about Pangea is... <laughs> I don't want to pay cover charges, is my, uh, my truth. Is that it feels very much like a restaurant and less like a like an audience stage space. You know, it's it's it feels more of like... Um, like, you're going to eat dinner and there's just someone singing. I mean, life. honestly, to me, they all feel that way. Like, I mean, even, like, 54 Below, which I think is so fabulous. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, besides Joe's Pub, it's the only, um, uh, like, cabaret venue that was actually designed to be used as that. It's not just a restaurant or mm-hmm. bar or mm-hmm. hotel, whatever, that was converted. That said, I, I don't understand, you know, why they design these venues where you're sitting at a table that has your back to the stage. stage. You know, some people complain when they redid Joe's Pub. I think this is before your time. I don't know if you were ever at the old Mm -mm, Joe's Pub. mm -mm. But uh, it used to be uh, more like that in a way. And then, you know, now they have those, like, long... Uh, bars, not just yes. the back row, but the second to back row, where there's just like single seats yeah. against that rail. And I love facing. that. Yeah. I love that. And some people are like, but now it's like a showroom. I'm like, it's a room where they yeah. do shows. What should it be like? It's like better than watching TV, you know? It's like. I hate to. I, it should all be that. You know, there's people have this fantasy, I think, of like the old the school, old school club. supper clubs, yeah. right? You know, where like. Ricky you Ricardo. Know, yeah, exactly. Ricky Ricardo's playing, and you're just like at your table, like having your dinner conversation yes, while there's yes. like, you know, um, uh, ambient music. Yeah. But it isn't that. You pay money to go see a performance and yes. you sit there quietly and you watch it. Everybody does that. And, and therefore, places. you should be seated in a way that is conducive to you enjoying the experience. And especially places like 54 Below and Joe's Pub, it's like those places have these huge stars that come and perform. It's like you're not just going to like have a night out, no, whoever totally. the talent may be. It's like you're going to see Bridget Everett, you're going to see. Justin Bond. Um, and this is why I love the Provincetown Art House so yes, much. Because in both it. of their spaces there, they're basically like set up like, it's they perfect. probably are like old school. I think, I think it was an art house movie theater yes. originally. Yes. So it's raked seating. Mm-hmm. So there raked. are no the bad gods. seats. Wherever you're sitting at the art house in yeah. P-Town, there's, you can see very easily over the people in front of you. Mm-hmm. It's theater style seating. There's cup holders And the there's cup rest. holders so you can still have your life. There's a bar out back so you literally can just go get a beer, bring it into the theater. Yes. Um, I mean, I was going to say the only thing that would make it better if there was, like, Waiter waiters. Service. But that, I don't even think that, because then you would be distracted and, you know, they would be reaching over everyone. It's I don't mind it. I mean, like, maybe for, like, a Judy Kuhn show, you wouldn't right, want, like, right. waiter service. But, like, if I'm saying, like, Varla, I'm very happy. Very you know. true. Um, I mean, drag queens, like, you know, comedy queens mm-hmm. are so often, like, are dealing with, like, active audience anyway. Right, right. And audience participation and talking back. You know, they're used to it. I mean... So this brings up an interesting point. I'm sorry, if Barbara Cook could sing at the Carlisle and mm-hmm. waiters are coming in and out... Yes. ...then it's good enough for, uh, you know, Trixie uh, yeah. Mattel. Yeah. Um, this brings up an interesting point, talking about um, Provincetown, and this is our special winter and a summertown mini-season. So, you know, we, we when we go to Fire Island, we love the beach so much, and that's... I mean, truly, right now, that's all I'm looking forward to all in this I'm life. Forward to um, for all I've been blessed with in this life. Mm. That's better, Rosa. Oh, I need to take that. You like? Didn't sound like it. I'm like, mm. let the world stop turning. Let the sun stop burning. Let them tell me love's not worth going through. Ooh. Oh, honey, don't I know it? 
I just joined Hinge last night. Okay, Hi. put a pin in that. Hold, hold on. Put a <laughs> Sorry, Hinge in I interrupted that. you with my um, song styling. But no, talking about Fire Island, it's like, I love the beach so much, and I'm like, we always talk about, like, begin the begin. It's like, um, yes. down by the, what is the lyric? Um, down by orchestra. the shore, an orchestra's playing. I, I want that. Where is that? It's like, I want that, and I want, like, a little, you know, like, a, uh, the pool at Provincetown. Um, they have the waiters, you know, the little European twinks who come by and take your order and bring you towels and stuff. I love that. But I'm like, would that create a weird thing in Fire Island that would take away from what makes it special, which is that it is so, um, the, the nature of it all, like the, the seclusion and the paradise, I don't know how to say it. Like, it's like a paradise that's not commercial, you know, I mean, it is very expensive, but it's, um, it's so special because it's like, you're just one with the Mother Earth Ocean. I mean, it's funny, like, I always wish that I could be lying on the beach and have waiters bringing me things, Mm -hmm. and that's actually, like, so rare because I think in most places there are, they don't have, you're not allowed to serve alcohol on the beach, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then it's not worth it to them. They can't make enough money with, I mean, I spend enough money on Pellegrino yeah. and Diet Coke. Not alcohol. If everybody were like me. Yeah. But, um, like, in general, they can't make enough money if there's not alcohol sales. So mm. I think that's why you don't, it's rare to find that. Sure. Um, but it, it would be a different vibe. I mean. Or maybe even just like, on certain days or like weekends or something. But well, somebody should have a concession. I mean, when I was a kid, I don't know if they still have this, but we used to go to the beach uh, in LA, we would go to, um, I don't know where we went. I guess it was like either Santa Monica or Malibu, maybe. Mm-hmm. Where did we go? I feel like I'm forgetting the name of the actual beach we would go to. But we used to go to the beach in LA, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, just for the day. Mm-hmm. And we would, um, we would usually bring lunch, although there was like a hot dog stand, which was kind of nasty, and mm-hmm. I'm sure like overrun with like God knows what mice. Women. Well, I don't think there's so many rodents in LA, but like cockroaches galore by the yeah, beach, sure. you know. But um, uh, by the way, I saw a po- an opossum on the street in Williamsburg the oh other my. day. I'm so shocked. Oh my god, it's um, like I mean that's so hipster. It's like we can't eat, Williamsburg doesn't even have totally. regular rats; they have to have possums. That podcast gets more hits than we do, but um, <laughs> but. Uh, Anyway, but we used to sit on the beach, but there were these, these people would walk by constantly with these, like, white styrofoam, like, coolers selling uh-huh. um, ice cream, you know, and, like, popsicles and stuff. Oh, yeah. And we would always get those. And they, I think, you know, that was sort of before, I was, I'm so old, that was before the era of, like, water bottles, really. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure, like, nowadays, you know, it would have everything, well, yeah. at least that an ice cream truck would have. I mean, they, you know? they still do that here in Brooklyn, you know, ice cold, ice cold, one dollar, one dollar, one dollar. So, I don't understand why we don't even have that in Fire Island. I'm not saying they should have it, like, May 1st, but in the peak of summer when the beach is so crowded. Well, it is interesting. I mean, and again, it's like, I love this. This is so us. <laughs> I mean, I love this because this is what makes Fire Island so special, so, like, I don't even think I want this, but there is a lot of untapped business opportunities in Fire Eye. I mean, Provincetown is, like, the opposite. It's, like, everything you could ever want. There's, like, a store for everything. There's, like, a store for Fudge, a store for, Mar- you know, a Marc Jacobs store, a bookstore, a An store... Elizabeth Warren store. Yeah, a store that only Marilyn May goes to to buy clothes. Like <laughs> Literally. I mean, it's, like, there's one... There's a thing for every... There's a movie theater with two theaters. It's, like, for this tiny... One of them is town. always playing a Judy Garland documentary. <laughs> yes, yes. Um... And then in Fire Island, there's like, you know, we love to do our shopping. There's like 
two stores, one plant, one is which is which is a plant store. I mean, like, the fact that Daniel and I are such like shopaholic, like retail addicts that like we still make the rounds in Fire Island right. says way more about us. Most people do not go into right. those stores, as opposed to Provincetown, where shopping is like a part of it's the like experience. a whole day, yeah. yeah, on commercial or for us a daily ritual. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, speak and speaking of, I got this wonderful. Um, oh fuck, I wish I could remember the the name of the store, but I got this wonderful like zip uh, pullover because I was cold last summer in P-Town. I remember. It was like $10 um, and I wear it all the time. It was like such an investment. How Don't wonderful. you love it when you do that? I do love. Do love. Um, any, anyway. Uh, so yes, I joined Hinge. Now, what is Hinge? So it's a, it's the um, social dating app but, um, so it's like, I mean, it kind of okay just Cupid or Tinder. It blurs with all of those, like, um, Bumble, all that shit, but coffee meets, bagel. um, coffee meets bagel, kettle of fish, fish J date, um, Christian mingle, which I got banned from cause I was n- not acting too Christian. Um, <laughs> but, um, a friend of mine has been going on a lot of dates from hinge. So I, I thought I'd give it a whirl. And the thing I like about it is that it only gives you the free version only gives you like ten likes a day, so you're really limited. In is whereas that, is ten likes a day limited? That yeah, I mean, like, like on Tinder and OkCupid, you get like literally like fifty or seventy five. It's like you mm. just have complete. Oh, you mean in how many guys they show you? No, just how many times you get to swipe right. So you might swipe right on somebody that is you're like I'm willing to give it a try, and then you get somebody that you're like my dream man, but I've run out of likes. I mean, I guess they're yeah. hoping that happens. So well, then you pay more, card, yeah. yeah. But, um... They probably save all the good guys for number 11s through, you know... That's right. Uh, but it's so good because it definitely... It, it helps discipline me because I'm like, all right, I, I... First of all, it takes me away from being on my phone all the time. But I'm like, I really need to make these choices based on what's right for me and not just based on, like... They're cute enough, you know? If they message me, we'll see where it goes. Well, see, I constantly have this thing. I think I'm too picky in who I swipe right on. Mm-hmm. And, like, what am I so afraid of? Like, I'm definitely 98% <laughs> of the people that I match with... Sorry, 98% of the people that... I shouldn't be saying this, but 98% of the people that message me, I don't mm-hmm. even write back. Mm-hmm. And I certainly don't initiate contact with really anybody. Oh, I'm such an initiator. So, therefore, what would be the harm in me swiping right on somebody that I didn't want to swipe right on? None, because I still have, like, 12 more chances to reject them, right? right. I make it sound like I'm so desirable. It's just because I'm on such a low status to begin with. But, so, well, th- once in a while, though, I swipe left, out of, like, you know, by rote, and I'm like, <laughs> shit, that guy was really hot. I do that, too. You know, and then... And if you try to do the little, like, phone, like, shake the phone to undo it... That works. On some apps it does. On OkCupid and Hinge it does. I didn't They're know like, that. oh, no problem. Tinder's like, sorry, bitch, you gotta pay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but I need to. I need to really. The night is bitter. The stars have lost their glitter. I really need to, in this new year. My my goal is less screen time because I've really just let myself go. You know. The, I mean, the swiping is, it's more fun than the dates, you know? Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like... I'll say. It's like a video game, you know? You're like, yes. Where everyone loses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, you know... Speaking of video games. Speaking of video games. <laughs> and speaking of losing, we are all winners whenever we have the chance to see our next guest. A true star, a true winner. I would swipe right for them 
daily if I could. I even mean, be, even before I saw their shoulders in that tank top yes, in our hotel honey, room. Yes, honey. That all that fur. Mm. You know, a, a, a better men than we would have like strapped Jeffrey Roberson down to that bed and like had our way. <laughs> right, <him>. right, totally. <laughs> when that like hunk of man meat walked into our hotel honey. room with the four poster king size bed, the fact that what we thought first to do is sit down and interview him about the about mad show, show. <laughs> so really shows what's lacking in us. I mean, honey, that was a merman. Yes. Well, we're so thrilled to be with Jeff Roberson today. Varla Jean Merman. We're absolutely gaga and grateful. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. And, uh, of course, in beautiful Provincetown. Yes, yeah, for the residency. view. They don't see the view. Oh, my God. <laughs> they, they never You can will. see the naked beach from here. <laughs> Is that true? Wait, I know that guy. I need yeah, to see <laughs> What gave him and away? And if you can see it from here. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, um... Our podcast is called Broken Records because we like to talk to stars that inspire us about music, mm-hmm. particularly like um, one album, if you can think of one that was particularly inspiring to you, mm-hmm. um, whether either as a kid or even something new oh, yeah, I now. Know. Or yeah, yeah. What, what and, you can, and you can the take Mad Magazine to... album. Do you know that? Oh, no. no. What's that? That's what the, the girl from, the boy from is from. Oh, oh, the Mad Show, the Mad Show, Mary yeah. Rogers. Yeah. I just remember because they had the Mad Magazine yes, guy. Yes, totally. On. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, you know, I don't know the other songs from that. Though. Oh my god, Stamp the Out Mad Hate. Show. You don't know that? Song? No, I've done that in a show. I mean, there's so many great songs in that show. Stamp Out Hate is such mm. a great song. We're gonna stamp out hate, sock it in the eye, shoot it in the stomach, yelling die, die, die. We'll pull its insides out. And look at what it ate. We're gonna stamp out hate. We're gonna stamp out hate. Flash it with a switch. Amputate its arms and legs to see how long they twitch. We'll put its toes on hooks and dangle up for bait. We're gonna stamp out hate. We're gonna stamp out It's so perfect for now because it's these kids talking about stamping out hate and then yeah. by the end they're violent. I mean, it is uh, so amazing. Uh, we're going to rip it. We're going to just you know, find a Nazi <laughs> doctor who will boil it down to soap. You know, it's like crazy. It's such great Shows, album. lyricists include Stephen Sondheim. Yeah, well, he, wow. I knew he the wrote that, that song. Tall and slender like an Apollo. He goes walking by and I have to follow him. The boy from Takarembo, La Tomba del Fueco, Santa Malipa, Zacatecas, La Junta del Soli Cruz. When we meet, I feel I'm on fire and I'm breathless Every time I inquire how are things in Takarembo, La Tumba del Fuego, Santa Malipa, Zacatecas, La Junta del Soli Cruz And there's another, Linda Lavin, Joanne Worley, I mean, oh, come on That's, oh my god, we live That's so insane Yeah Yeah, I'm looking it up right now no, it is an amazing album. There are so many skits, and it just really, I listened to that nonstop as a kid, so it really had a big effect on me. But you, that must have been like a nerdy academic project. I oh, mean, yeah, nobody not... knew that. I don't even know how I had it, because I knew it from the Mad Magazine, but that was really my introduction to sort of musical theater, because mm-hmm. I saw the, the Mad Magazine guy, the Alfred E. Newman or whatever. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And so I got the album, and so I, that's you know how I even knew about Musical theater. And where, where are you from that you were? Well, we were in Colorado Springs, which is, you know, at the time my dad was stationed there. And mm-hmm. um, 
So that's where it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, and we moved to the south after that. How big is Colorado Springs? You know, I don't even know. I just know, you know, people say it's a very Republican place. Yeah. <laughs> as, yeah. A, as a kid, you don't know. Yeah. You know what that even means. So, Do, but, but do, are people surprised that their, their native son is a uh, legendary drag queen? Mm-hmm. Well, my, you know, oddly, my mother has never even asked me what I've done for a living. I've really? Said, never. Never has said, how are you making money? <laughs> is it like a don't ask, don't tell thing, or is it? I think so. I know she knows because yeah. one time she did say something uh, a little uh, cunty, if I can say. She <laughs> said, "You know, your fans aren't the only ones that go to your website." Which I was like, "Wait, so you're not, so you're not a fan, <laughs> mom?" Classic actor uh, response to that. Yeah, wait, you're not a fan. <laughs> I know. So I know she sort of knows, but we've never talked about it. Never, never, never. Yeah. And your parents are conservative. And- yeah, my father passed away when I was young, but my mother is very Southern Baptist and oh, conservative. Same. I mean, although I did finally tell her after I did it that I got married to a man, mm-hmm. which um, was shocking to her because she thought I was married to a woman. No. <laughs> Named because Marla? I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. Because actually I had been. It's a long story, but then, you know, we weren't together anymore, but I never bothered to tell her. <laughs> well, that that was on. We're you, real then. close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. But things have been better. I mean, she just you know she's from a world of um, a very small town in Arkansas, yeah. mm, Arkadelphia, yeah. and just you know I just think she was confused by me, and I think mm-hmm, she's yeah. very religious. And people always say, "Come out, come out to your parents; it'll be great." Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it doesn't always end that way. I mean, right, you know, she right. was very conservative, and I think you know a lot of in first these Baptist things, I think they are taught that, you know, people will try to normalize these things and you have to watch out because next thing, you know, they're going to be having sex with goats. So I think that is ingrained in them that people will try to get them to think that this is normal. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. um, so I think that's in a lot of their heads, you know, but, you know, she was very kind about the marriage. She says, you know, I don't quite understand it all, but, you know, He's, you know, obviously welcome in our family. So oh, um, that was great. Baby, so, baby steps. Baby, baby steps. steps. Yeah, I'm yeah, 50 yeah. years old. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows, you know, what, where to go. What about the extended family? Like, have you seen a shift? I mean, I, I know I first saw you at Josie's in San Francisco yeah, oh in like God. 1997, yeah, maybe. Jesus, I mean, right before I closed it. I know. <laughs> well, it was, you know what? They don't still don't have a venue like that to no, replace I it. No, I know. I mean, I really like Oasis. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I just, Darcy is such a wonderful Yes, and I, I love performing there Darcy because Darcy. I had performed, mm-hmm. you know, at, you know, the Raz Room and Feinstein's. Right. And then Feinstein's, you know, even though it's a great place, it's just it can be too expensive to get a younger crowd. Absolutely. So if you're, you know, a grand dame of cabaret, it is great. Or, you know, but if you are trying to get a younger fan base, it is not where you go to to do that. Even though, believe me, I miss staying in the penthouse of the Nico Hotel. Yes, it's beautiful. And now, you know, Hecklina, who owns Oasis, puts me up in a motel in the Mission. (laughs) (laughs) So every now and then, I you know. Well, we want so Hecklina to stay in business. Yes, right, exactly. right, right, right. To thrive. Um, but so okay, but so going. I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. Varla oh, yes. has been a star for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, in a very major, central to the field or the genre mm-hmm. way. Three. I, mean, I think I moved to New York, and then I um, there was a big march on Washington. I think in 93, and mm-hmm. so I had just moved to New York, and then I performed at a benefit. Well, I, well, I started doing drag in New Orleans, but, um, 
you know, I did all these videos. I wouldn't go out and drag. Me and my friend would just make videos, like mm-hmm. John Waters kind of 30-minute videos. They'd play when people were, um, uh, you know, playing music, like dance music. And they'd play these videos of me just running around the city being chased by a plastic rat or drinking <laughs> milk in malls, you know. So weird. So, but that makes so much sense when you talk about the Mad Show because yeah, I mean yeah, yeah. that, and even now, I mean, even there's such an element of like sketch comedy and totally. political yes. commentary, social commentary. You know, I loved. Oh my god, that album! I still, I mean, Joanne Worley. You know, I mean, there's so many funny lines in that thing. She goes, "Tonight, yeah, there's a, something about the most passive aggressive parents award," <laughs> and she's like, "Tonight, young lady, you're gonna eat your dinner dinner cold. What are we having for dinner, Ma? Tuna fish salad." <laughs> 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 you know, I love jokes like that. Oh, I love my mother. Oh. It's about time you came home for dinner an hour late. It doesn't bother you that I slave all day long over a hot stove, huh? Well, tonight, young lady, you eat your dinner cold. What's for dinner, Ma? Tuna fish salad. You know what the trouble with you is? The trouble with you is you have no sense of responsibility. When I was your age, I was married and had a child already. I want to get engaged. You want to get engaged. You're only a baby. You just think you're grown up, but I know better. And don't think I don't know what you're doing all day long, necking and petting. Ma, you didn't lay a hand on me. Sure, who would want to the way you look? Just keep it up, Miss Beatnik, and you'll see how popular you'll be. You'll end up an old maid yet. Ma, I got a date every single sure, day. Sure, you're never home. It would kill you to spend some time with your parents. For all we see of you, you might as well pack up and move out. I was thinking Don't that. get sarcastic with me, young lady. No, I mean it. You mean leave this house and go live with strangers? I wouldn't let you. We love you. <laughs> uh, but I moved to New York after, because my friend who I went to high school with, had, who was gay, had moved to New York, and he's like, mm-hmm. I just saw, and I was doing drag a little bit in New Orleans, but mostly the videos. Yeah. And he was like, I just went to a drag show last night where the, the, the drag queen did a monologue about going to Tower Records to buy a, a, you know, a, a, a Wagner um, recording by Ava Marton, uh, and it was all set to uh, Wagner's Liebestode, which I was like, what is <laughs> <laughs> going on in New York City? Because I thought, you know, in New Orleans, people were lip syncing to Whitney Houston, probably Melissa Manchester at that right, point. But, yeah. you know, I just thought, what is going on that you could uh-huh. even do that? I mean, yeah. I knew what all those references was. Yeah. I knew all of that. But I would never try to do that to a New Orleans bar mm-hmm. crowd. Mm-hmm. So I thought, what is going on? Now, that turns out it was Miss Coco Peru <laughs> who had done that, who had done a yes. monologue about, you yeah. know, she wanted to Ava Martin by Wagner, you know. So, I mean, it was a really hysterical monologue. And but I moved to New York purposely to to stalk Miss Coco. How wonderful. <laughs> really? I love you guys did that work together. together. Yes, we did. Girls. Well, we became friends. And, you know, and my, my new show this year, Starboard, uh, Star's Board, is a lot about how drag is really no matter, because, you know, people are... Um, you know, the whole drag on television has mm-hmm. sort of changed the landscape, but how mm-hmm. the, all of drag queens are really basically connected and how we've built yeah. on each other. And mm-hmm. so, you know, and the, how that is a part of that. And so Miss Coco's a part of mine, and it, it's a, a, just a story of homage to, you know, drag through the years. And also Frank DeCaro writing that book this year, I yeah. thought it was very... Oh, right, yes. Well, also it was so different from the New York Magazine article that said the most powerful drags in the world, and they were only RuPaul girls. Oh, right. So it'd be like yeah, saying yeah, the greatest yeah, singers yeah. in the world and only being people on American Idol. Exactly, yeah. Which, you know, it ruffled some feathers. And yeah. so for Frank to really do a book that included both. Sure. And the history of drag, which was more important than anything yeah. for, you know, these young kids to know. Because, you know, when we started, 
when I started drag, when Coco did drag, we've talked about it. We couldn't go on YouTube and look how to do makeup. Mm-hmm. Now they all look alike. Right, right. Which is sort of sad in a way because we could just do whatever we wanted. There yeah. was no standard of beauty. Sure. Now right. there is a standard of beauty for any drag. You have to have the ombre eyebrows. You have to glue them down. You have to have all this. The you contoured know, nose. And yeah, all that. and back in the day, we didn't have. You just did what you wanted to. Whatever was funny, whatever worked. There was no yeah. standard. Mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. What did you? Um, I mean. Did you go to school? Because you sing. I mean, speaking of Wagner, I mean, you have like a classical soprano. Oh, my balls <laughs> dropped when I turned 45. <laughs> Literally. I know I say I, in my show, I sing everything now in the key of B, Arthur. <laughs> and I do. Yeah, my, I used to have the craziest high voice. I mean, I was Mary Sunshine, you know, on Broadway. Right. So uh, for a little bit, and I toured mm-hmm. with the First National yeah. Tour Company, but... I mean, I just don't have that voice anymore. I mean, it just, I mean, if you, well, neither does Joni Mitchell. So it's like, you know, I mean, you know, it just changed. So I had to change my whole, but I've had to change my career, you know, a couple of times. Because when I first started, I weighed 300 pounds and I was fat. So all my jokes are fat. (laughs) Well, I had to change. It's kind of when I came to P-Town, I, you know, I had gotten really big and all my videos had me as a big girl. But then I was doing the show as a thin person. And then people after the show would say, who's the fat girl in the video? (laughs) My sister. (laughs) Yeah, I know. So I had to change because fat jokes, when you're a fat comedian, I mean, you're lucky because you have something to talk about. Mm -hmm. I mean, someone else has to really figure out what's funny. Not that, you know, it's, it's not a talent to fat jokes, but but they are sort of. I found them after I realized, oh my god, I've been using these as a, as a crutch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's so easy to go for the fat girl joke. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it so, got you started. Oh and then yeah, it got evolved, me started. That's why know. I did the cheese and all that it came yeah. from being big. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I used to, in New York. I also used to do. I mean, I would perform in bars, and it wasn't until I stopped performing in bars that you can do a different kind of material. But I remember I used to have a cow tongue. That I would make out, I think, with that song, If I Were Your Woman, by Gladys Knight. I have no idea. <laughs> but I was poor at the time. I mean, I was working at Ogilvy & Mather, an ad agency. And so I'd get a cow tongue. And it sounds so gross, but I was more divine-ish. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and I would freeze the cow tongue. And then when I needed I'd defrost it. When I needed it, i put it back in the freezer. <laughs> I oh, like, God. The same cow the tongue. Cycle. Yeah, gross. Wow. That's the gritty, the gritty history. Yeah, I think it's still in my freezer. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Did well, you go ahead? Well, to say, did you do like wig stock and all that? Like, was that? I did yeah. Even in this last movie, wig. There's some scenes of me from like 1996, mm-hmm. 95. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I did that, and then when I started coming to P Town. I really didn't do it that much. And Wigstock had started to end at that point anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't remember how long it went, but uh, it was just, I stayed here to work. I mean, yeah. Wigstock's for free. And even though I loved it, you know, getting from here to New York is a, a chore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just would stay here. I was lazy. Because mm-hmm. that's always, that's always <laughs> been like, it's like September, right? When that has been. It's Yeah, it's always, uh, Wigstock would always be the Sunday before Labor Day, wasn't it? Oh, oh yeah. was it on Labor? It was a Sunday before Labor yeah, Day. Yeah, yeah. I remember last year. Yeah, it was in New York when everyone was here. Mm. So. Yeah, so I went last year. We we went, we went on a bus. Uh, me and Peaches Christ and all these young girls from town, mm-hmm. and uh, we immediately realized on the bus, me and Peaches. Do you know Peaches Christ? Yeah, yes. yeah. we were yeah, like, Joshua. oh my god we cannot be on this bus because they're never coming home and it's going to be a nightmare. And we're like, we're old ladies. And so we rented a car and came home and then we heard it was a nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, smart. Well, you just know that, you know the signs. You've seen it before. Oh, I know because I used to be that nightmare girl. (laughs) (laughs) Doing poppers in the back of a bus for no reason. Like, why? They were doing that. 
Why poppers? Like, just why? amp it up. I amp it up. <laughs> Do you, I mean, it must be, aside from, you know, things like that New York Magazine article, in general, I, I imagine, my impression would be that as far as in the business of drag, mm-hmm. that it's created a lot more of a market with the TV show. There is the a market, but uh, yes, but it's also been... Um, you know, I can keep the markets that I have been in and, mm-hmm. you know, where I definitely sell. But to go to a new market, and I have a whole bit in my show about this, is that this guy wanted to book me in Canada. And he saw my show in San Diego. And he loved the show. I and mean, he really loved it. And so he's like, oh, my God, you know, we hired some of these RuPaul girls and they come and they don't have a show. And, you know, people are so upset. Yeah, we've so seen I, a couple of you. Yes. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, and so he's going to hire me. But then he went online and saw how many fans I had on Instagram and was like totally freaked out and then didn't book me because I didn't have enough fans on Instagram. Mm. Oh, my God. But it's not just drag. They're every profession, makeup mm. artists, yeah. hairstylists. If you don't have all these fans on Instagram, you know, yeah. L'Oreal, these places will not hire you. And then the people who do get it are like these overnight sensations, these right. kids, mm-hmm. but then they develop this huge fan base. And so yeah. it's every occupation that's yeah. affected mm-hmm. by Instagram followers. And But it does not equate, because I do a big thing in my show, Lady Gaga has like 36 million followers, mm-hmm. and then Barbara Streisand has under a million like not even a million, wow. and then oh, Kylie wow. Jenner has 145 million followers. Oh, kill me! So I do a whole thing. You know, Canada's getting an evening. Saskatchewan's getting an evening with Kylie Jenner. You know, <laughs> like, like, poor Barbara can't even get booked in Canada anymore. But it is sort of thing. None of Barbara's fans are really on Instagram. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and so, but that doesn't equate you know talent or no, you know. No. But it does. It makes it easier because, as you know, people you know will laugh just because someone's been on TV as if they don't know you they're there to judge you right right (laughs) but it is it's amazing when I think about you doing that in the time before there was even any kind of social media I mean how did I know to go see you at Josie's well I do a whole thing in my show about word of mouth and just that you know Mm -hmm. back then gay rags and word of mouth is how it works so you perform in P-Town somebody goes home and they say oh my god I saw the show and then you go to San Francisco and like oh that's the show we saw in P-Town and that's the only way it worked you know, I do a whole thing about, you know, how, you know, we all knew Rod Stewart had to have his stomach pumped because he relieved an entire bar room full of sailors. That was a rumor when we were kids. <laughs> and we all knew this before the internet. And it wasn't like it was in the news. We all, everybody, yeah. everybody my age knows this rumor. Right. Everybody knows this it's rumor. It's like the Richard Gere gerbil Yeah, gerbil joke. Yeah, Same yeah, yeah. thing. You know, it's just, although I've used that joke so many times I couldn't this year. <laughs> the gerbil joke. It's, but it, it is. I mean, word of mouth. I mean, I can't believe how, you know, I could go to different cities. San Francisco, Los Angeles and you know Seattle and all these places but you could go to the big cities it would be a harder sell to go to yeah. smaller mm-hmm. and do you find that the that you're able to even with the um, drag race culture um, and and the Instagram corporatization you're mm-hmm. still able to hold on to the footholds in all those markets oh yeah I still work you know as much as I want to so I've never had a time where I'm like oh god get me some work you know, I mean, definitely, you know, I used to make, I think, more money just because there was less going on. And now um, there's just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know, it's flooded the market. Yeah, so yeah. if someone wants you for an appearance, they don't have to pay you what they used to pay you because there's like so many other girls mm-hmm. who will do it. So mm-hmm. you really got away. And the only thing about 
the girls. I mean, some of the girls are so good, like Jinx Monsoon, and of mm-hmm. course Bianca, and yeah. and um, uh, you know Vandela Krim. I mean, excellent shows. But mm-hmm. then you know you go to some bars and the, the girls just come out and they don't even perform; they just take dollar bills. Yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. wild. Yeah, just you get away with that. Yeah, yeah. And you know, most people go to their shows. Not to see the show, but to take a picture. Yeah, totally, totally. Which, you know, is just bizarre to me. No, I see, I don't know if Mark told you, but I'm here because I direct the Countess Luann show. Oh, yes, yes. And it's shocking. I mean, they will try to take selfies with her during the state, during the show. (laughs) I mean, it's really, it's what they're there for. (laughs) You know, it's, and it's to put it on their Instagram and have it, it's, that they got that yeah, trophy. It's like a ticket stub or a playbill or something. And those are the girls that are going to survive, the ones that have a show but most of those girls I mentioned already had a show before they got on can you imagine getting famous and mm-hmm. saying shit what am I gonna do well we saw that with Aquaria from yeah, Drag Race yeah, 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 yeah. who we saw in Fire yeah, Island yeah. who you know um, won and so now has yeah. this potential for this career but yes. has to, doesn't have the you have show, to show. yeah I mean and see all these other girls had shows like yeah. Bianca already had shows sure. I mean, you know, no I saw Jinx before Drag Race mm, I mean yeah For the last time, I am not on Ozempic. I made one little joke on this podcast, and everybody started calling me out, texting me, calling me cringe, whatever. I really was asked by people if I was on Ozempic, and as I told them, I am not. I am just eating factors, no prep, no mess meals, okay? Warmer, sunnier days are coming. Fire Island season is here. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Make today the day you can kickstart a new healthy routine what are you waiting for with 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week you'll always have new flavors to explore crush your wellness goals this may with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from breakfast to dessert stay fueled with easy nutritious options treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon shrimp and blackened salmon and kitchen time is kept to a minimum they are ready in two minutes no shopping no prepping no cooking no cleanup enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or just simply to eat well-balanced. Head to factormeals.com slash giantsinthesky50 and use code giantsinthesky50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code giantsinthesky50 at factormeals.com slash giantsinthesky50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. And what do you think about, like, in terms of, I mean, this town is so unique, you know, because, I mean, you come here and it's like, how do you even, how does a person see all the shows they want to see in their limited time as opposed to, I mean, really anywhere else, certainly like the other, Fire Island, we see even like 
the bigger stars, I mean, Lady Bunny and Shangela, mm-hmm. it's still hard for them to to sell out even a one night right. gig. And mm-hmm. here it's this it's the market's flooded. Mm-hmm. It is just mm-hmm. flooded. And I mean, here in Provincetown, there are so many shows. I mean, there's so many. So I have found too. Now it works in Provincetown. You just have to have a great title. You know, mm-hmm. some people yeah. come to town with these bizarre titles, and people. It really matters. A title really matters. Even now. for someone like you, where I mean. You know, we know we're going to come to P-Town yeah. once during the summer. We're going to go see Varla. Yeah. It's not a matter of, like, mm-hmm. what what is she doing this year? We'll find out when we oh, see yeah, the show. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of people like that. And then, but what is great about it is that it's made everybody have to work really hard. Because if mm-hmm. you come to P-Town with a bad show mm-hmm. and it's not the best, it may take you a couple years to get people back. Because they're mm-hmm. like, oh, we saw her last year. Wasn't that oh, great? Let's right, see something right. else. Mm-hmm. So you have to top yourself. Yeah. Every year, which is exhausting. Stopping yourself, yeah. <laughs> um, but and and what? Why do you think? Like, I mean, have you ever tried to do a kind of a residency the way it has in P Town somewhere else? I, I do one in Palm Springs. I did mm. for uh, like five weeks, which was is great. that like I, a spring thing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do it in, in um, usually in April, March, mm. April. I'm doing it again this year. Um, and then Puerto Vallarta, which is actually I've heard a harder that that's sell. like a real, but that there's it a lot great. of drag shows there. There are so many drag shows, and oddly, most of the people who come there are Canadian. Really? So if you're big in Canada, like wow. Misconception, who's a friend of mine who has a great show, he kills down there. Mm-hmm. Whereas he has kind of a harder time here because people don't know who he is because mm-hmm. he hasn't been on television. Right. So and he's you know just starting here in Provincetown. You have to really it takes years to to really get people yeah. to come to your show. You know some people come here for like two weeks and they think they're going to like sell out. But if you're not on TV or you know. It's not, there's not time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he does really well in this conception and part of my art. And I've done pretty good there, but, you know, I'm just, I'm putting the investment in to go because I actually, I love it. Yeah. Well, because here in Provincetown, the beach, you know, it takes you like a half a day to get there. And then yeah, like, totally. I burn, I have to come home. Yeah. Part of my art, you just sit there. Yeah. <laughs> and everything comes it. to you. It's amazing. And what I, my, I, I was once going to do a gig there, and my mom was like freaking out. There's so much homophobia. You have to be careful. Oh, no. You know, and Part of Vallarta, I mean, it has to be run by the cartel because <laughs> it is so safe yeah. and perfect. Oh, why is it like that? Because, you know, a lot of Mexico is not, mm-hmm. and you have to be very careful in Mexico. But I, I've only heard of one incident in Puerto Vallarta that I know where there was a little, you know, um, somebody got hurt, you know, one out of, you know, thousands and mm-hmm. thousands of tourists. So, I mean, I, I consider that pretty good. I think they really protect the city, you know, because they know that there's so much money there. And if yeah. it's a bad rap, you know, just like New Orleans, where I'm from in the French Quarter, anytime something bad happens, which has happened a lot lately, it really hurts tourism. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, but Puerto Vallarta, they really have protected it. I mean, it, I feel completely safe there. Completely. That's yeah. That's now, really also, great. I'm not out at 5 a.m. when, when the right. incident I'm telling you happened was yeah. like 4.35 a.m. And not that you shouldn't be able to go out at any time, but... Of course. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, also, you look like you could take any threat that would come your way. As a man or a woman, people don't yeah. come near yeah. me. <laughs> do you go back to New Orleans a lot? I do, yeah. I'm doing a Christmas show there. Uh, a friend of mine, we wrote a show that actually finally got published by Dramatists. Oh, wow. Good. Yeah, thank you. What is that? Uh, it's called Scrooge and Rouge, and it's uh, oh, a three... God. A three-person show, and it's an original musical, and it's about um, a, a Victorian music hall era 
actor troupe who's doing a Christmas Carol, and it, the entire cast gets sick oh on because um, somebody brought some bad food, you know, to the cast party, and so <laughs> there's only the, the actor who's kind of like the John Gielgud type who plays uh, Scrooge, and then me who played like I play a. Um, kind of the whore of the group who's not even was never even asked to be on any stage. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a Corrine type who has yeah. to play all these parts, and then a dresser who has to a, a gay male dresser who has to play all the other parts. And so, of course, you oh know, my god, I want to see this. Yeah, it's fun. It's really fun. So I love that. I love any kind of something gone wrong type. Oh, of script. it's yeah. great, and it's you know just uh, bizarre things happen. You know, wrong costumes from other shows or worn and you know so it's really funny and they're doing it all over the place I mean oh that's wonderful finally I don't have to work (laughs) not that I mean I have to work but it's nice to have something that works for you yeah I mean the holiday show is such a great great and only three people people love it that original yeah how is it doing like that? And now we're going to see you tomorrow in First Wives Fight Club, and and, and I mean, um, Peaches like really made a whole business. Oh God, out of this yeah. Whole thing. I mean, I, you know, I hadn't written a lot of my own, and then Peaches and I last year uh, wrote the Whining, which was based on The Shining, yeah. about two oh, queens yeah. who stay in Provincetown for the winter. So funny, and that was really great. And so we decided to. Ro- oh, it was really funny, and so we, um, and and it turns out the town crier is like. You know the town crier kind of oh, yeah. is the kind of bartender part, you know. So it's oh, really funny. That's yeah, genius. And, and the whole thing was about the the town crier used to be the one on the street, and then all the drags came in and kind of stole his thunder. But <laughs> uh, first place fight club, we decided. I knew Peaches wouldn't be back because he does a huge Halloween haunted house in San Francisco that was so successful last year that mm-hmm. he couldn't come back. And so we decided to write First Wise Fight Club together. Now he puts up a show in a week, yeah. so uh-huh. dancing everything. I mean, so it is. You know, a different kind of show. It's mm-hmm. all about, you know, it's like encore. You know, it's like in New York, you just have a week, mm-hmm. and so yeah. it's not perfect. It's not, you know, and that's the fun of it. People yeah. are sure. expecting it. So he did it first um, with Brooklyn Heights and Ginger Minge and Raja, and then I did it here with Jinx and Lies a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. from here. Mm-hmm. So, but we had a lot more time to work on it. But Peaches and I are going to do it together. I think in Fort Lauderdale. In oh, April. wonderful! And you're playing. Annie, the dying play, role. Yes, I play Perfect. the... the <laughs> Do you like that movie? We were just talking about that at lunch. Well, it's such a bizarre movie, if you think about it in a way. I heard that there were many rewrites and stuff. And you know, the guy who wrote Steel Magnolias, Robert Harling, wrote it. Yes, I forgot. Oh, yes. But in, the reason why I had the idea first is because in First Wives Club, there's all this weird violence. Like, you know, mm-hmm. remember the therapist, Marsha Gay Harvey? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's having the, her hit her with a bat. bat. Yeah. Like, hit, yeah. And then... The girls get in a fight. Remember, they, they punch slap. each other yeah. and slap each other yeah. in the apartment. Yeah, they each slap. So the whole show turns to Fight Club. Oh, that's too <laughs> that's funny. So yeah, and then we have the um, the stalker Channing part, who's the person who kills himself yeah. at, at the beginning, which is you know also very strange. Yeah, way to start a comedy. Like <laughs> <laughs> she jumps to her death. Uh, you know, we kind of have that as the Helena Bonham Carter part, who sort of feminizes the entire. Oh, right. Right. Plot, fight, mm. fight club, yeah, fight club. So it yeah. just, and then it turns out, you know, somebody's obviously the same person as like Fight Club. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. It's weird, so is that yeah, yeah, a lot of gay guys have not seen Fight Club, so it's a bit of a challenge because you want people to kind of know the source material, mm-hmm. but we didn't take a lot from Fight Club. Mm-hmm. But it's just, you know, there's some things you have to know, right? Or well, I mean, what's that? The so first rule bizarre. of Fight Club is don't talk, don't don't talk about Fight Club. Yeah. I mean, that I think like, that's universal. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, we had, you know, what's the first rule of First Wives Fight Club? Let's tell everyone. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, 
I just remember watching that movie when I was little, and there's like a really nice shot of Brad Pitt's ass. Oh, the movie is, you know, hard to watch. When I watched it last summer, here, I can only watch 20 minutes of it at a time, and it's so disturbing. It's and even just like the whole opening with Helena Bonham Carter and Edward Norton, they meet each other because they both go to... 12-step programs, you know, for mm-hmm. uh, like cancer survivor programs, and they're pretending that they are, you know, victims, and, um, you know, they realize they're both doing the same thing, mm-hmm. and, and just, and it's just, it's upsetting. <laughs> and then Meatloaf has his giant breasts for no reason. I don't oh know. My God. <laughs> you know, he has his giant breasts. Meatloaf yeah. has giant boobs, which is just such a weird choice. Oh, right. And it's yeah. such a straight guy movie for being so homoerotic. Yeah, yeah. it's very But homoerotic. the guy with the book was gay. But the oh. movie's very strange. I don't think I even knew there was a book. Mm. Yeah, yeah uh, Chuck, Pal- somebody. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. What What were the, I mean besides Coco Peru? What were the um, movies or, or performers that that you know you wanted to be or that? Well, see, when I grew up, I mean, I was just obsessed with Carol Burnett because, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know, and I, that's how I have a relation with drag. It's not, you know, I mean, you know. People sometimes confuse drag, not as much now, but that, you know, someone wants to be a woman or right. that they want to be trans or, you know, it has nothing to do with that for me. It was always about, I wanted to wear that Mrs. Wiggins costume. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I wanted yeah. to wear the Gone with yeah. the Wind costume. I wanted yeah. to wear the costumes. I mean, just yeah. was the fun part. But I was obsessed with that. And there was also, you know, the Barbara Mandrell. Oh, I used mm-hmm. to watch that show. Yeah. hysterical and you know Donnie Marie were around that time for right. me as of growing up so there was just so much showbiz like old fashioned showbiz that yeah. had come back for a little bit and then of course it was gone mm-hmm. um, and those truly inspired me and then you know um, as I got older and and you know I, I loved Charles Bush you know and I just thought it was you know amazing what Charles had done and you know I was in Vampire Lesbians of Sodom very early on oh, in production in New Orleans yes and then, you know, I did, um, uh, and Charles came to see it, which is so nerve-wracking, you know, when the, when the writer comes. Charles came to see me in Boston at the Speakeasy Theater Company do um, Divine Sister. Mm. And then I did a couple productions of that, which was so much fun. Oh, that was a good show. I saw it was that a great show, yeah. Um, and, uh... So, when you were little, were you, like, dressing up and putting on shows around the house, or, like... Oddly, at that time, I was doing disco dancing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, it, it's so funny because in the Christmas catalog, we would get, you know, back in the day, you know, for Christmas, I would go to the disco light section mm-hmm. so I could have lights and stuff in the oh, basement. Oh, that's elaborate. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what about the but I really didn't do shows. I really didn't sing until um, uh, I went to, because nobody in my family was musical, I went to this boarding school for high school. You had to test into it. Mm. And I was there for chemistry. As a, and you lived on co- a college campus and you took college courses and it was all state funded. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable that they have this in Louisiana. It's called the Louisiana School for Math, Science, and the Arts. And I um, was talking in the hallway one day to somebody and the choir teacher was like, you have a high voice, are you tenor? I'm like, I don't even know what that is. He goes, Please be in the choir, we need tenors. And so that's how I started. But then by the end, I had gotten a full vocal scholarship to uh, Louisiana State University and I ended up not graduating in that because I realized I just didn't want to be an opera singer and I didn't yeah. want to take music theory. Oh my God. Did you have any, I mean, I, I besides, you know, I mean, it's interesting that you would have said the Mad Show. I mean, Linda Lavin and Joanne Worley are such 
great performers who Amazing. sing, but yes. the, you know, it wasn't. You didn't say Barbara Streisand or Whitney Houston or, or no. And don't get me wrong, I loved Barbara Streisand. I mean, I was obsessed with the movie The Main Event, and I was obsessed <laughs> with just What's Up Doc. Like I loved her as a comedian. I loved her as a comedian. What's Up Doc? I could so not funny. believe how funny she was. And then that's when I learned who Madeline Kahn was. Yes, but see, I was drawn more to the Madeline Kahn, and I right. just liked yeah. the yes. more character. Um, and I really didn't know Barbara Streisand as a vocalist yeah. until I got to college. I was hanging around these gay guys and they play it constantly. And then you're like, oh my God, this is unbelievable when you think about yeah. it. I remember just listening to that first Greatest Hits album where she has the big kind of Pentecostal hair. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just over and yeah. over and over, yeah. you know, Sam. You know, so I just, I, I, you know, I was obsessed with her after that, and then mm-hmm. I learned everything about her. But but you knew your voice was a means to an end. It was you didn't want to do anything that was just about the voice. Yeah, I just, you know, but I did, you know, do a lot of opera singing and parodies, and mm-hmm. which really helped me. Now I did a show with a soprano named Marisol Montalvo. We're doing it at Joe's Pub on. Oh. January 5th. We just, oh, did, it. We just did it at Ravinia. Which oh, great. fabulous. Cool. And it's a great show called Mad Scene, and it's about, she's a Puerto Rican girl from Long Island, and how she um, wanted to just become an opera singer because she thought it looked neat. Yeah. And then, you know, she flunked out of Manus, and then she uh, became, she decided to do a beauty pageant, and she came first runner-up, Miss America, but she met Kathleen Battle, who was a judge. Oh, wow. And then she started getting booked doing um, uh, modern music, and she had such bad nerves. Modern music really made her relax because she knew nobody knew what it was supposed to sound like. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, any opera aria you know, you know the most amazing singers in the world doing it from recordings. So when you hear someone really sing it and it's not quite as good, everyone's thinking... Well, it's not Maria Callas. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, it yeah. has to be the pressure for an opera singer. And that's why it's called Mad Scene. And it's a cabaret show, but she sings all this amazing classical music. Oh, cool. and, and then she got addicted because she had no technique. It sounds so crazy. But she would sing, and she didn't want to worry about her voice, so she would just let it all... And she would get this euphoria by... You know, she did roles like Lulu, which is a Berg opera, and... Um, she would take prednisone. Oh, like steroids. Every night. Oh, my God. Whoa. And so she was working all the time, but then after a while, you know, steroids kills your voice. Prednisone is for emergencies. And she was taking it every night so that she didn't have to worry about it, but her not worrying about her voice gave her this sort of euphoria where she didn't worry about it. So it mm. was addicted to a drug. And then she had to have vocal surgery by that wow, guy, Stephen Zeidels, who did, you know, Adele and Stephen Tyler. Mm-hmm. It's a fascinating story. And then the biggest thing is that she sang at Carnegie Hall, had a disaster, disda- disastrous performance, and then... She knew she needed vocal surgery. She went to the doctor. And then to make the money, though, she had to sing in Carnegie Hall again that <gasps> week as the Mater Gloriosa in whatever... Oh, God, what is it? But she only had to sing for a minute and 26 seconds. So it's a great part of the show where she talks about just having to sing for a minute and 26 seconds, but having to pump herself up with so much cortisone oh just to get through it. I mean, it's a, it's great, a great show. That reminds me of like Elaine Stretch. That's just such yes. like yeah. high stakes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the show. And so she is a great actress. So Joe's Pub, January 5th. And I oh, do my wonderful. show the 3rd and 4th. So it's a oh, great, great, whole great, weekend. Great, great. Oh, we'll see all of that. That's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> we don't see you in New York enough. No, I haven't been in a while. You know, just my schedule and and and, and um, but I'm definitely at Joe's Pub. Mm. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful. Which I was there, one of the original people. 
I joke about you there too, in like 1999 or yes. something. Yeah. I mean, George Wolf, George Wolf had asked me. And you know, well, to do a show back then. And, um, yeah, I mean, that was a long time ago. Because <laughs> Faith Prince talked about it in her show yeah. that she had done it 20-something years ago, and that's when I yeah. did oh, it, right. too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember. I was there the first week when they opened, and they had Audra McDonald's. Yeah, um, yeah. My colleagues. Yeah, no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, I, did, yeah. I didn't know you had done Chicago on Broadway. I remember now that you had done Yeah, I was, in, I was the original vacation swing so you had David Sabella and you had Jeff Levelholtz mm-hmm. and uh, and then I came in whenever they needed to go on vacation and so then they wouldn't give me a tour and I just kept telling myself because they need me here for the vacation how dare they uh-huh. but then they finally gave me a, a touring company but you know a touring company is so hard I can't mm-hmm. imagine oh my god it was how many cities did you do I did Oh, my God. I don't even know. We were in Tokyo for six weeks, so that's why I really went. Oh, wow. But I went to get the Hello Kitty toaster. because <laughs> <laughs> I saw a thing that this Hello Kitty toaster, which imprinted Kitty's face on the toast. I mean, that, yeah. that Like a shroud of Turin. And they only sold in Japan. I'm like, this is a sign from God. I really thought that. I had seen that the next day they asked me to do it. So I was like, they're going to Japan. And I had a great time. First of all, to go to Tokyo and have someone pick up the bill. Absolutely. And be in a nice hotel. Yeah. It was great. For DM. But then we went went directly from Tokyo to Schenectady. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't a direct flight. I know. know. How long did you stay in that tour? I was in like seven months, I think. That's and then really I came back good. here, and it was good. I mean, but it was the most nerve-wracking thing, like an opera singer, because you have to walk up a flight of stairs and hit that B natural mm-hmm. as you walk up. A flight. And I remember I was freaking out. My, my palms would sweat. I could you know, it just was driving me crazy. And then when mm-hmm. I saw the movie with Christine Baranski, mm-hmm. um, when Billy Flynn and Richard Gere were saying his lines... My heart started racing. Uh, my palms were saying I had to get out of the theater. Oh, I had like man. a panic attack. Oh, amazing. And of course, she didn't have to sing any of this. She didn't have notes. to sing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or walk upstairs. Walk upstairs. I mean, they had you walk upstairs. Well, okay. I do remember, though, when we were on the road. <laughs> it's a funny story. We were on the road, and um, uh, Sandy Duncan broke her foot. Oh. In um, did you do it with Sacramento? Her? Well, she was supposed to do it, and the day of the put-in, oh she fell God. backwards on the ladder and was dangling by her foot. <gasps> so, um, you know, and there was lots of jokes about Peter Pan and wires. Anyway, so, <laughs> so glass eye. Yeah, yeah, they had. Yeah, someone said, "Well, can they replace her foot with a glass one?" My friend, <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. But so they bring in Anne Reinking, and so she had not oh, done it in my. a long time. And but they promised Boston a star because we were going to Boston next. And so Anne, you know, uh, who was amazing in the role, but you know, she had gained a lot of weight, and she, they just kind of put her in boxer shorts. You know, oh she didn't God. have the dresses on; wow. she was in boxer shorts and t-shirts. God. And <laughs> she was doing the Billy Flynn's, which was she meets Velma Kelly for the first time. She's like, uh, uh, but she would just go, okay, it went on and on and on. It got like shtick. Shtick. You know, she's like, oh, Thelma Kelly, you know. Oh, I've heard about it. She was like, yeah, oh, babe. It was oh so God. bizarre that I called my friend Christine Zabornik, <laughs> if you know Christine yes, Zabornik, she's in New York hilarious. City. And I had a cell phone by that time. It was like late 90s. And I recorded just a thing, totally legally, uh-huh. on, the, on the thing. And I just hung up. Well, I didn't <laughs> call Christine for a few weeks. I called her a few weeks and said, did you get that message I sent? That was you. I thought that one of my relatives was having a stroke. 
<laughs> she was furious with me. She thought her mother was having a heart attack trying oh to talk God. to her. <laughs> no, it's just um, Anne was acting. <laughs> wow. That's hilarious. I wouldn't have thought, I would have guessed the opposite of Anne. That's so funny. I know. I think, I don't know. She was just like having fun, I think, yeah. you know? Wow. She was still great. I mean, don't get me wrong, but that was a yeah, funny I thing. idolized her. But yeah. people, I never saw her, but the people that saw Sandy Duncan, I remember yeah. saying, oh, she's the best Roxy. Yeah, I heard that too, everything. but I never saw her. Yeah, wow. I never saw her. There's that video on YouTube, it's called like Nine Roxy's or something. Oh, really? And oh, is she in it? I think she's in Sandy it. Duncan. And there's like nine different, it shows like yeah. the little Roxy monologue, it shows like nine different performers doing wow. it in a row, and it's fascinating. Yeah, we had a, a, a girl that nobody knew, and I, I don't know if she's still around, I, I don't know, Belle Calloway oh, was yeah, her name? Sure. She was unbelievable. Yeah. She was fantastic. I mean, she was great. The weirdest thing happened in Boise, though, because we were, a Deidre Goodwin was oh, yeah. singing um, All That Jazz, and she comes out, and we're in Boise, and remember I'm listening to it, and uh, she starts singing, and you can immediately tell that she has no voice. Hmm. So she's like, you can tell, and it's getting worse as the oh, song no. goes. And we're all, you know, the whole cast, like, oh my God. <laughs> and that's like the opening number. And you, yeah. Okay, oh so there's like gunshots, people die, you know, all of that is happening with Deidre Goodwin, who's African-American. And so she's like, you know, where the gin is cold and the piano is hot. But she's like, gin cold. <laughs> and she went, and all that jazz. <laughs> and then they say, the role of Velma Kelly will now be played by. And then they bring in this tall blonde girl that looked like oh, Angie Shore. But this tall, tall, crazy leggy blonde. So people must be, what is happening? What, yeah. happened, what happened to the black girl that shot the guy? Well, so what happened? I mean, that and that's just. I mean, I've only done one Broadway show, so it's just so funny. I did that that show with uh, um, Leslie Jordan that was off Broadway. That was you know. Turned oh, on the pink carpet or something like oh, that. Oh no, this was called Lucky Guy. Oh, with Jen Colella. Yes. Yes. Unbelievable. On Forty Second Street. Yes, and who is uh, she's unbelievable. Yeah, and that was so much fun. But that was just. I never had a taste of. See, when I do a show or any show, and I want to change it, I just change it. Sure. Mm-hmm. When you have to change the tiniest thing, people don't understand on Broadway, if you change one word, it's dropped. Mm-hmm. Everyone has to be brought in with mm-hmm. the unions and everybody has to go through the whole show because someone may be affected changing right. somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So you just have to do it. So you cannot make big changes once you're in New York. And yeah. the show, I think, needed some work at that point. And I love the show, but it was the same year that Book of Mormon came out, which mm. was a total different comedy. Mm-hmm. This yeah. was very, you know, uh, you know, just... It was just not that edgy comedy. It was still a great show, but I had a great time yeah. doing that. It was Leslie Jordan was so funny. He must do so well in funny. Yes, he does great. And we played, you know, the villains. So we mm. were like, uh, you know, a Southern Fried Boris and Natasha, basically. You know? <laughs> so it was great. He even gets me pregnant. That's true. <laughs> I, I know. Uh, uh, William Ivy Long made all the, the costumes. Oh, and there was one costume that had was on wheels. So it was this... Dressing, bring me up through the stage. Oh I mean, they God. had a budget, and it was this <gasps> giant um, denim dress that looked like, uh, you know, um, clover. I mean, it was just like this crazy shape. And then they would spin me around, and it was on a, a wheels. And I remember, oh, crazy. Yeah, I think the dress cost forty thousand oh, dollars. Fabulous. Yeah, it was great. Wow, I wish I'd seen that show. Now. I wonder yeah, if it's it in was the really Lincoln good. Center, uh, library. 
the outcast. Um, I had to hit a high E to above high C Ooh, every night. But that like, was easy because I, I used to suck in air like Mariah Carey, and so I could hit those crazy notes. Whistle tone, yeah. Whistle. I mean, tone. that's like I mean, that's like a Barbara Cook. That's a crazy. That's yeah, not I was, a slouch. Really, I've never missed. Thank God. Okay, but uh, for but a male that, soprano, yeah. there's not that many parts. No. But if you're if you're a voice drop, then I would think you would be a natural for so many things. <sighs> I don't know. See, it's so hard too. When I did the soprano stuff, I d- actually did an opera one time, The Medium, Charles Minotti. We did it for oh. real. But I learned a big lesson with that. If you say Varley Jean Merriman in The Medium, it's like saying you know. Um, uh, uh, Oh, what's her name? Edith Bunker in Medea. Right? <laughs> yeah. People expect a comedy. It was not a comedy. Yeah, yeah. And even the New York Times was like, why didn't Charles Bush rewrite this? Because we're not doing a parody. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what? And um, But to sing falsetto and to have to scream and be angry, because, you know, I play, I basically kill someone in the, in the show, and um, to sing falsetto with someone who is a natural soprano is just... The why would any idiot do that? <laughs> because a soprano yeah. is supported, and oh my god, and falsetto is false, and mm-hmm. it was very tough. I'll n- never do that again. <laughs> it was hard. Do you know the show, The Medium? No, I was thinking. I there was some. It's it's like a solo piece, right? No, no, it's uh, it's like six people. Oh. It's a very it's a modern opera by Minotti, and it's about this woman who's kind of a con artist, and she does these seances, and she gets her daughter to uh, to be in them, and she gets, um, this is a mute boy, and when they did it, there's a movie of it, too, and in the original, the mute boy is a dancer, he, he communicates through dance, but when ours, we had, it was Edwin uh, from um, uh, Well Strung, and so he played oh, the violin yeah. as his voice. Oh, lovely. Oh, Donna Drake directed, it was such a great piece, we did it at that Marjorie Dean Theater near Lincoln Center. I used to say, people said, I'm, we're in New York. Do you know where Lincoln Center is? We're right down the block. <laughs> yeah. It was great. Yeah. But yeah, that was, you know, falsetto is, uh, you know, it's hard. And it just, it's very easy to, to mess up if, sure. you, if you press too hard. You know? But did that, did that happen to you or did you just age out of that? I sort of days? aged out of that, but I had a couple times in my life where, uh, you know, one time in Provincetown where I had to cancel like two weeks of shows. I remember Gosh. Rex Reed came to my show Many years ago, after I had hurt my voice and I was still mm-hmm. kind of trying to do the shows and I couldn't really do it, but, you know, it's like, oh, what do you do? How long do you wait? Do I just adapt? Because the falsetto, my other voice is fine, but my falsetto wasn't there. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, it, it's very easy to to mess up a falsetto if you don't, you know, if you get too winded because mm-hmm. it's not really supported. I mean, it's mm-hmm. very difficult. What about, what about now singing in, in a lower range? Are there parts in musicals or, or operas that you that you crave to, to play? Oh, God, I don't know. You know, I mean, I've been asked to do the part in Matilda. Oh, yeah. I mean, by so cool. many people, but I just haven't had the time, you know, and it's been, um, and I would like to do something like that. But, you know, it's really, at this point in my life, I love working by myself, not sure. by myself, but for myself. Right. Yeah. Oh, God. You know, yeah. you just decide everything, and it's just very... You know, it's hard to do a play and go yeah. somewhere and live there for, mm-hmm. you know, how many weeks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, uh, I would do a play in New Orleans, and I have done stuff in New Orleans, but, you know, it's just hard to... I, I travel so much, I don't think I'd want to put the time into sure. mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, well, that's, you know? it's, it's, it's really, yeah. you know, I mean, even Barbara Streisand, I yeah. mean, you know, when she hasn't been on Broadway since Funny Girl right. because yeah, yeah. of that. You know? And it is hard. I mean, people don't understand eight shows a week is... 
insane. Yeah. And when I traveled on Broadway on the road uh, in Chicago, they had somebody else do the the matinees because they had to bring a, they had to bring a cover, mm-hmm. and they wanted to keep his vo- vocal chops up. You mm-hmm. know, so they let him do it twice. Which thank God. Yeah, that sounds better. For yeah, me I mean, last week here in P Town, I did seven shows in a week, wow. and that's crazy. I mean, just... And they're only an hour. I do a funny song on my show called Working 9 to 10. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so great! (laughs) Because it's still just an hour. You know? Like, I did seven... I worked seven hours this week. You know? But it's so so much more. I mean... It is, I know. It's really like you have the best of both worlds going in Piton, though, because you do do your solo stuff and then... To to do a play, yes. These things that are, are, you know, a chance for you to... um, work with other people and then oh, yeah. create something bigger and you know I just do the plays because I like to do them I mean I make yeah. more money in solo show but I just like to do them mm-hmm. I mean we have a great time and you know um, uh, you know I hired all these younger like Jinx and Liza I mean they're just they're great actors and they're really talented so it's it's fun you know before I wanted to do all the leading roles but now it's great to just let someone else do it right. you know <laughs> Well, um, we we'd be happy to see you in any of the parts. Well, at all. thank you. And so, and I do on on Thursdays. I do Fight Club at seven thirty, and my show at nine. So I have twenty minutes. Wow! But it's just like doing a two act play. Sure, so it's, sure. You know, it's not right. that bad. Uh, yeah, Although one, but, you know, has kicks in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In my show, I sit on a couch. <laughs> well, I remember. I don't know if it was last year or two years ago. You uh, you guys did the. Um, was it the nine to five parody that you did? Yes, yes, that Ryan Landry wrote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you did yeah. like a headstand in the middle of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you stay up there for like you like oh, five no, forever. minutes or something. Remember? And yeah. I had those breasts that yeah. weighed like fifty pounds. Oh my god! Which funny story after that during that show, my friend makes costumes for the Today Show. He did. Uh, Philip Heckman, who made my costumes, and he was like, "Can I borrow your breastplate for Matt Lauer?" I was <laughs> like, "Well, <laughs> sure," but. I decided, well, I don't, you know, I'm going to get on the plane and I don't, I'll make, I don't want to make sure I lose them because Matt Lauer needs them. Right. So I brought them on the plane with me, but when they go through TSA, fake breasts look like a bomb oh, <laughs> because it's made yeah. out of some kind of material that I don't know. And so she had to take it on the bag and she had that wand <gasps> with the little thing in it and she was going over my nipples. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. I put it online. It's on my Instagram. It's, I, it's oh, the most I've ever gotten. Funny. got hundreds of thousands that's of views. Hilarious. Yeah. Her, and she was, why is she... Titillizing, titillizing my nipples. (laughs) (laughs) Even fake boobs, like a little little attention. She was smiling, though. It's funny. That's so funny. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we play a game with all of our guests. All right. um, Which uh, is kind of like uh, Fuck, Mary Kill. Yes. Except it's Dolly Concert Kill. And so we give you three performers, and yes. you choose one that you want to see as Dolly Levi in Hello, Dolly. Okay. Mm-hmm. One that you want to see in a concert, in a, in a peak concert okay. at their, at their okay, yeah. mo- utmost powers. Okay. And then one that you, you unfortunately. know, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. will give the act. Okay, yeah. Okay. So, okay. I mean, I think we have to do Coco Peru. Coco Peru, and Joanne uh, Worley. Joanne Worley, and uh, Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. Um... Joanne Worley is Dolly Levi. <laughs> I think she was the understudy or or replaced her. I think she did it. Yeah, really? That sounds, that sounds right. Oh yeah. my god! But you know, Coco is kind of like Dolly yeah, Levi. I would want to see that. I'd sure. have to do Coco as Dolly Levi, and I, I'm sorry to say, I'm gonna have to kill Joanne Worley because I'd have to see Barbara Streisand. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, who wouldn't? That's a I mean, Joanne Worley at her peak is wonderful, but it's not Barbara Streisand. Right. You must have seen Barbara at some point in concert. I have not. No. Well, you, Richard J. Alexander. Yes. He's 
a huge fan of yours. Yes, and I just have never been to see Barbara. Well, we're going to make sure... Richard needs oh to get God. you some tickets. For sure. Yeah, for just, sure. this needs Talk to happen. Richard. Oh, my God. Yeah, because there's so many. I mean, you know, I just was watching today the Judy Garland... Um, you know, a, a television show oh, would that's you know, be my guest. You know, I asked, you know, somebody for the music, you know, because I, we're, I'm doing something with that. But it's just so fun. Oh, I, mean, it's just you, I was going to say you and Jinx should do um, oh Happy God, Days. Yeah. Happy I did that yeah. with Charles Bush when I was the young girl, but now I'm not Pay the young forward. girl. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Turn the page. <laughs> we did that Charles Bush's show here a long oh, time that. ago. That's you know? so sweet. So oh, God. Well, you are so delightful, and we're so happy. Oh, thank you. So I'm so glad to be here. What a view! Thank you. Okay, anytime. Come, yeah. come. Oh, I was talking about you guys. Oh, wow. <laughs> daddy. <laughs> well, we're 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 so psyched for your show tomorrow. Follow Gene Merriman on Instagram. Yes, the <laughs> greatest, <laughs> greatest follow. And if for no other reason, go go for the for the nipple. Yeah, uh, the nipple. for yes. everything else. <laughs> All right. Thank All right. you Thanks so much. Love. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Ben Rimmelauer's Broken Records on Broadway World. For more episodes, visit Broadway World, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts do be. <laughs> Come back next week as we continue our special Winter in a Summertown mini-season, featuring the most fabulous talents from Provincetown and Fire Island. Next up, four-time Tony nominee Judy Kuhn, who'll be chatting with us live from BroadwayCon. And after Judy, we'll be closing out the season with Miss Richfield 1981. This episode was recorded at the fabulous Anchor Inn Beach House in Provincetown, Massachusetts. Visit them online at anchorinbeachhouse.com. This episode was edited by me, Daniel Nolan. Thanks to Emmy-winning composer and lyricist Lance Horn for the Broken Records theme song. Follow us both, Ben Rimmelauer and Daniel Nolan, on all y'all's socials. That's Ben Rimmelauer. B-E-N-R-I-M-A-L-O-W-E-R. And that's Nolan with an E, not Nolan with an A. Because Nolan with an A is an A. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.